So this sermon series has been about mission and about rest. We've been holding the two in tension where we've been saying, you know, God is calling us to a purpose, a direction where the Christian community needs to work together. Promised church needs to work together. And we foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. That's a mission that we have. But there's so much work involved in that mission that we also need to understand that we need to also rest. And we rest in the knowledge that God is more interested in his mission than we are. God with us is where we rest. Where we come on a Sunday and we say, God, thank you so much for being more interested in this mission than we are. Thank you for investing your energy into it and we allow God to fill us up. That's a summation of what the Christian life is, where, we, where we're partnering with God and where we're relying on God. We're joining with God and using our own energy and our strength and the finite, little, small, time-bound piece that it is, but we use it and we say, God, to God be the glory. For everything that we're able to contribute, it's because God is doing something much greater. God is making all things right. And so we're joining in that mission. It's not hard to see that there's lots of evils around us and lots of things that have gone wrong. And, and we go, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. And in that, we take times, like on Sunday, like right now, and we say, I'm going to rest. I'm going to let go of my work like God did on the seventh day of creation in Genesis. I'm going to let go of my work, and I'm going to rest knowing that tomorrow I'm going to pick it up again. Tomorrow, I'm going to continue on in the mission of making things right with the world and allowing people to know that God wants to be with them. That's the gospel. God with us. And, uh, and that's such a great understanding that we've been working through over the past few weeks. If you want to listen to those messages, you can go back on YouTube. You can see them, and they're, they're great. So what are we doing today? Well, as Pastor Danielle noted, we normally would have a discussion about all of that today. Normally, we would be bantering back and forth and, and discussing, you know, the tension between mission and rest, and it's such a great topic, and I really wish we were able to do that today, but we have something more important that we're doing. Instead of just bantering about it, we're actually baptizing people, and we're seeing that people are saying, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to follow Jesus, join with him in his mission, and see that God is with us, making all things right now and fully consummated when Jesus returns, fully brought to fulfillment when Jesus returns. And there could be nothing more exciting than that. The looking towards Jesus' return when he completes everything that he set out to do. And we are truly raptured. We're truly caught up in the joy of his presence. We're truly uh, overwhelmed with it. And so that is wonderful. Today, today, we're going to look at baptism as it happened, because one of the things that happens is, is as we've looked at mission and rest, and as we've looked at what it means to be part of this, we have tons of religious ideas about what it takes to be qualified for baptism, in the Protestant tradition, which Promised Church is a part of, we actually do adult baptism. It's baptism by immersion, and you're down, and, and you're up, and it's different than what mainline traditions do, where they do sprinkling baptism and infant baptism. 
And so what qualifies a person to be baptized? What is, is the marker that says, oh, oh, that's it? Do they need to be, you know, at a point where they're saying, I, I have come to a decision? Do they need to be at a point where they've said, I have hit this notch of performance? Do they need to be at a point where they say, I have been involved in this church for X number of days? What are the qualifiers for baptism? So today I'm going to read an extended text because it's one story, and I'm going to read it as the story it is, and then we're going to look at three points about what happened in the story, and it's just going to be very, very simple because God makes access to his promises simple. So let's read it today, and, uh, and right before, uh, yeah, let's read it today. It's Acts 8, 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And then he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a great story. Very simple, very straightforward, just a lovely story, but there's a lot going on here. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you communicate so much about yourself and your action, and that we read these narratives, and it's not like a, an, a formal essay. It's a simple story in which you show yourself. And so, God, I thank you that you use narratives through Scripture to show us yourself. I thank you that all Scripture points to you. And Jesus, I pray that you would open up our eyes today so that we can see you more clearly and understand where we fit in the story. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do just need to make a note about one of the announcements about youth, just for clarity. Um, there was a little bit of a slip in the announcement. The youth meeting is this 
Thursday. So you can go to promisechurch.community um, and go to what's happening and check the, the address um, for youth, but it is this Thursday, not this Sunday. So three things about this, this story. The first one is the Ethiopian needed somebody to guide him to the good news of Jesus. We, we see it when uh, Philip says, you know, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I unless somebody guides me? Well, this is so interesting because he's reading the inspired word of God. And the Holy Spirit is doing his work, but he still needs somebody to guide him. There's something that every Christian needs here. Every Christian needs guidance from the Christian community. We all need it. We all need that, that teaching, that steering, because the Holy Spirit works, yes, in our hearts, but he affirms the work through the community of believers as well, and these two come into agreement, and when there's this agreement, then we grow, and so what's happened is the person who's clearly on his way from worshiping in Jerusalem, he's clearly a God-fearer, he wants to worship God. Holy Spirit's doing work, drawing him to his word, but also drawing Philip alongside and, and saying, okay, I want you to communicate to him directly, having this conversation so that he can grow. We grow when we, when we explore and when we are part of the Christian community. That's why we go to church. We go to church because it's in that time that, we, that our understanding of God is challenged and refined, not just by the sermon like this is, but by the Christian community where God, by the, His Holy Spirit, is talking to all of us, and we're all being formed into His image. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, He is forming us in His image. And so every Christian needs guidance from the Christian community, and that's what's going on here. You know, the... The Christian community continues to be the voice of the good news. We are the voice of the good news when, when we're doing it right. Now, the Christian community can go off the rails. We can start to miss our point and start to be, we've talked lots about starting to measure people by the wrong metrics, by, by getting, you know, distracted. But when the Christian community is doing it right, the Christian community is the voice of the good news of God. That's what we bring. We proclaim. We say to people that this is the good news of God. And, and what is it? God has come to live with us. So many times, we've taken that very lightly. God's everywhere. God's in the air. God's with me in the mall. You know, and, and when was the last time you went to the mall? Sorry, distracted. God is everywhere. And, and because we get comfortable with that idea, we're just like, God is everywhere, which kind of means God is nowhere. Like, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But what God is with us means is that there is something very powerful about the presence of God, that manifest, that, that observable, that feelable, that tangible presence of God. The creator of the world has promised 
to be with us, and that's overwhelming. When we really get into that headspace, when we really get into that even imaginative space, there's something that goes inside of us like, whoa, that's too much. That's intimidating. That is crazy. That is so over my capacity to understand. That's something that is way too much. And so what God has done is God has said, I understand that difference. So I'm going to allow you to see me as a person. I'm going to incarnate. Emmanuel is an old word. You'll see it at Christmas time. You see it in uh, Handel's Messiah if you've ever been, you know, had that. But you get this Emmanuel, which is translated directly, God with us. We proclaim the good news. God is with us in the person of Jesus. So we have the historic records, the four gospels, of the person of Jesus walking with us. This is what God with us does. And isn't that a beautiful thing? When you think about what would God do in the world today? What would God do in the world? We look at the gospels and we say, what did God do in the world when he walked among us? God did a lot of amazing things and he is and he has said I am going to live with you and when I live with you I'm going to make all things right and that's what God did as he walked among us he just things happened around him one day he was walking to heal somebody and on his walk towards healing someone else a, a woman comes and touches the hem of his gar- garment and says and says because she's convinced that if she just touches his hem then she'll be healed of her long-term sickness and, and Jesus notices it right away and says, whoa, 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 somebody just touched me. I felt power go out of me. It wasn't, even like, it wasn't even like he intended to do something. It was that as the woman touched him, it, the power of God, because he is God, just flows through and heals her. And he was like, I, I noticed that. And, and so you, what does God do? He just makes things right just by walking by. This is the presence of God, that God has come to be with us and promises to be with us. Today as the church, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and and that Holy Spirit speaks through us as a community, refining us like I was talking about earlier. We experience that. We experience God's voice. We experience it in our hearts. We experience it in our community, but we will experience it even further when Jesus returns. We will have God in us, of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and guiding us at every step, the same way that Jesus was being guided by the Holy Spirit in his ministry. We will have God with us in the person of Jesus, and we will have God all around us in the glory of God, in, reflected in all of creation. And you see that even in, in Revelation 21, that the, that the light will be all around us because it is God. God has come to live with us, and he will defeat evil. Every single one of us has participated with evil, even the eunuch. Even the eunuch. He will defeat evil. And we've participated with evil. It might be pride. It might be you taking things into your own hands to make justice happen. And so you, you impose retribution on, and you make it your role. It might be, it might be um, that you are just not able to participate in things because of, because of fear or anxiety of death or sickness, and it's inhibited your life. This might not be an evil that you choose, that you do, but it's one that you're in. It's around you. 
And sometimes we, we are participating in ones that, that we actually want to participate in. Hedonistic ideas of I just feel like it, I want to do this, I want, I want that even though it's bad for me. I, I, I use it as a crutch, I use it as a reliance, I have this vice, I do this. And, and we participate with evil and God's come to defeat the evil in the world, but also in us. He's come to, to set us free from it, to redeem us from it, to, to make it so it doesn't affect us any longer. And what he does with it is, is he forgives our participation. He forgives our participation with evil. And that was exemplified in Jesus on the cross. And so that is what we put our faith in, that God is with us, making all things right, and forgiving us for our participation. See, we want to have a reason for baptism. And what happened in this story, the second point I'm going to bring out is, what happened in this story is the Ethiopian needed somebody to guide him, and in hearing the good news of Jesus, it was enough reason for him to be baptized. It is in the hearing the good news of Jesus and saying, there, that's it. That's what I want. It isn't in the getting rid of all of my sins that we find ourselves in a place that we're baptized. It's in hearing the good news. The, the, the eunuch hears the gospel story from Philip in the chariot and then, and then looks outside and says, oh, look, there's, there's water here. What's stopping me from being baptized into this? What's stopping me? There is nothing stopping him. There is no obstacle. He heard the news, and he's like, that's it. I'm in. I'm in. That's it. God has forgiven him of the evil that he's participated in. He has promised to be with him, and now the man in response goes, well, then I'm in. I'm going to get baptized right here, right now, and Philip is going, I don't see a reason. What reason is there? What prevents me from being baptized? And clearly the answer is no, because the next verse says, they stopped the chariot. It's spontaneous. It's something that's like, I'm in, I know it, I'm, let's go. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet, and it might be a little bit too late for you to get baptized today right now, but there's something that's like, I'm in. I didn't know that I didn't need to measure up, or I didn't need to be a member of a church, or I didn't need to, whatever. I'm in, I heard the gospel. I heard that God wants to be with me, and God is going to make all things right, and God forgives me. I heard this good news. I'm in. And there's nothing that prevents anybody from being baptized, and, and this is important. You can be baptized right now by hearing the gospel and saying, yep, I want to get baptized. See, the eunuch did not need to go back and consider all of the ways in which he had served Queen Candace and, and did he do everything right and ethically and morally and, and, and did he, was he the righteous person that he wanted to be and did he do enough and was his pilgrimage to Jerusalem enough to get, no, he didn't need to do that. He needed to hear the gospel. Respond to it. The gospel was like a, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears, he was silent and it, he did not open his mouth. And that's a picture of Jesus being led innocently towards the cross, 
when he had the power to do everything to stop it, when he could have taken justice into his own hands, he submitted himself to the will of God and said, God, I know you can carry me through this. It's going to suck. I know, but I know and I trust you that you're going to carry me through this. And even in the face of death, Jesus submits his physical life, even though he is God, he submits his physical life. And he goes, not my will, but your will be done. And he, like, a, like a lamb before its shears is silent and he does not open his mouth. That's what Jesus did. Where he did not take it into his own hands to fight for justice for himself, but he allowed God to vindicate him and raise him from the dead. And this is good news. This is what the Lamb of God did. And the eunuch sees it and goes, yeah, that's amazing that God has overcome death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Like Pastor Danielle read earlier today, God has overcome death. And so in this, the eunuch goes away rejoicing. Every single person who's getting baptized today has a reason to rejoice because we are included See, it's inclusion into the family of God that brings confidence and hope for the rest of our life. We have that inclusion in the family of God. We now, are, we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are speaking the words of God to each other and hearing the words of God from each other and from the Holy Spirit. And we look forward to the day that Jesus comes back and lives among us in physical, tangible form. And we, we foreshadow the, the fulfillment of God's promise that he's going to live with us. When we gather on Sunday, on our mission, or, or as we rest, we gather and we say, yes, God, we know that you're going to be with us. And we join in the mission of God making all things right. And we see in the world around us that there's a ton of things that are wrong. There's tons of ways that evil iterates in the world around us. And instead of pushing against the people, we actually start to say, okay, well, how can we mitigate against the evil and show what the world looks like when evil is being removed? How can we do that? And these people who are baptized, they've now been included into that family that does that. A great purpose, a great mission that's sustainable with rest. You're included in, and you say, I am a part of this great movement that has lasted for centuries. And that is why we're getting baptized. That's why it's important. And so today, I know that you are at home or in your car or in a field somewhere watching this. But let that simmer in your heart for a moment. Do you want to join this mission that's sustainable in rest? Do you want to join it? Do you want to say, yeah, that's my identity marker? What prevents you? Nothing. Contact me through, through Slack or Rob at promisechurch.ca. Say, I want to get baptized. This is something that I need to do. I want in. And that's the only requirement. You heard the good news. What prevents you from getting baptized? There's nothing. And so I'm going to pray for you. And if you've already been baptized, then pray with me for those who, who have not yet been baptized. God, for those who have not yet been baptized, God, I pray that you would work inside of their hearts, that they would recognize that there's nothing inside of them that disqualifies them from following you and taking you up on your offer. God, that, that we would be able to take this, this forgiveness that you have offered us because we participated in the evil that's around us, and we know that you set your entire mission to to eradicate and remove the evil 
And we are on board with that. We want you to remove the evil. We don't want to carry on in the evil that we participate in, and we also don't want to see the evil continue to destroy the world around us. And so we're, we're giving that to you, and we also place our firm hope in the rest that, that you are so interested in this mission, and you come to live with us. Emmanuel, Jesus, walking among us. Holy Spirit within us. You came to live with us, and we accept that. We accept your presence. We accept your input. We accept not our will, but your will be done. I pray that every single one of us would be identified by that. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you for being a part of our service today. And next Sunday, July 25th, we invite you to be here, 66 Berry Street North, Bradford, Ontario. It's, um, it is the building of Bradford United Church. Promise Church is meeting there. Come join us. We have space for you. We will be socially distanced, and it's going to be an awesome service. So we look forward to seeing you in person next week. And we'll also still be online if it's too far of a drive for you um, or whatever that that restriction is for you, we will still be online here on YouTube. So thank you. God bless you.